never, ever marks the spot. I am altering the deep. Pray I don't alter it any further. Most of the intelligence community doesn't believe he exists. The ones that do call him the Winter Soldier. I'm Batman. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the Top 5 Report, the podcast that cannot imagine the self control required to be an employee in a bubble wrap factory my name is drew i'll be your host for the evening along with me as always my brother peter here what's up man uh not too much how are you um i'm okay um yeah. it's been a, it's been a week it's been a short week actually because i feel like we just turned off the microphones but we kind of did um our brother got married so you know, you and I had to go to a wedding this weekend, so that kind of wraps up. What have you been up to? <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, it's been it's been pretty busy. Um, we're recording earlier in the week than usual too, so uh, it's mostly been wedding stuff. But uh, I'm I'm also like just kind of contemplating if you did work in a bubble wrap factory. I feel like the mystique of the bu- bubble wrap would wear off pretty quick. <laughs> I might be wrong, but I feel like, you know, your first day you might pop one of them and then everybody's going to treat you like you're an idiot for doing that. And then you're like, all right, I guess it's no big deal. You know, bubble wrap has lost its uh, luster for me. So <laughs> Bubble wrap's not cool anymore. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> um, But yeah, um, other than uh, not working on a bubble wrap factory, uh, how was your week? Other like... You know, since uh, I saw you on uh, this past weekend, but how was your, you know, couple days before we sat back down? Uh, yeah, it's just been trying to relax. <laughs> nothing, nothing super crazy or exciting going on. Uh, right. How about you? <laughs> um, it's well, it's been a busy start because I have a lot of stuff going on in my life right now. So it's been like, you know, getting to the kid, the, the kid's basketball schedule is getting like real, like he's got like six games this week. So it's oh, been man. like. Work basketball game. Work basketball game. Tomorrow is going to be work basketball game. Band practice. Next day is going to be work basketball game. Band concert. You know what I mean? It's just like there's a lot. So um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> that said, uh, let's not worry about the normal minutia of the day to day. Let's talk about cool stuff. What are we uh, watching? What are we reading? What do we got? Yeah, I I did find time to uh, watch a couple things. Um, the first one which I can probably keep pretty short because I've been talking about the show the last couple of weeks, but I did catch up on Mythic Quest. I'm oh, all, yeah. all done with uh, that series. So just waiting for season four. But uh, no, no, I, I love this show. I think it's really good. Um, I like I, how I they, was talking. I'll oh, keep going. I, I was going <laughs> to say, I like how they rolled, rolled it back. Like Ian and Poppy went and started their own company. And ultimately yeah. in the midst of it, they found out, well, this is what's missing from Mythic Quest. So they like, you know, it goes full circle back to the original game. Uh, yeah. I thought that was cool. So, yeah, absolutely. I I kind of feel like, um, I don't know, I, it reminds me of like in high school when your English teacher says, like when you're writing an essay, make every uh, 
every sentence be so good that it could be your last. And um, I kind of felt like that with this season. Like, I know there's a season four that's in production, but it did kind of feel like if they did leave it at this, they could have, which is kind of uh, cool, but also kind of bittersweet. But no, I think this is a great show. I think um, the show hits on a lot of sentimental beats, but I think at least every other episode or so there's like, just really hilarious moments too so um yeah yeah i'm really loving that so far and season four can't come soon enough um and then i did watch one other thing unless you have any last minute comments on mythic quest drew but (laughs) not not right now i'm just glad you watched it and uh, got caught up um just because i'm like dude you have to watch this show you know so Mm -hmm. um so the the other thing I watched finally is something that I probably should have watched like five years ago when it came out. <laughs> but I finally watched the movie uh, Pokemon De- Detective Pikachu. <laughs> which wow, I, right. I, n- I never watched it when it came out. Have you seen this, Drew? I have not. I heard okay. I, the, the reviews were weird and I planned on watching it, but I never got a chance to. So I, I actually heard like. I feel like I heard nothing but good things about this movie, but the problem was when this came out, I just had no interest in watching it. For whatever reason, I was just, like, tired of Pokemon. I was tired of Pokemon Go. I think it was, like, at the time, I had a lot of friends who were, like, really big into Pokemon that I would see pretty frequently, and that kind of, like, made me annoyed with it. So I kind of avoided the movie, but it was one of those things where it's, like watch it with a kid this looks like something that's fun we can watch and uh this is actually a really interesting movie like yeah it's a uh it's a video game movie it's a kids movie but um it's really interesting the way the movie is structured and the reason i say that is because this is detective pikachu so you have Pikachu, who is a detective trying to solve uh this mystery and it's more or less what kind of trying to solve what happened with the uh, main character's father. Like, the main character is this guy who his father was, like, a famous Pokemon trainer who uh, has gone missing, and they're trying to kind of unearth the mystery behind all that. But what's interesting about the movie is it's very uh, dark. Like, almost everything is backlit. It's really filmed like a traditional, like crime movie like i feel like we did a top five list of like our top five favorite neo-noir films and uh, as weird as it sounds i think detective pikachu could be considered a neo-noir film when it comes to like the shot choices and uh the lighting and uh the storytelling and all that which is pretty cool um but then halfway through it switches gears and turns into a full-on superhero movie And that sounds goofy. And it's like, yes, again, it's it's Pokemon, which isn't superhero stuff. But when it comes to how the movie ends, and especially the last fight scene, I'm sitting there watching it going, this is like a superhero fight. Like, it just felt very superhero by the end. And uh, it's not because, you know, there's no characters wearing spandex flying around. But there are Pokemon flying around using superpowers and, uh, you know, pushing each other through city buildings and um, all sorts of craziness like that. So that's what I think is really fun about this one is like it kind of has like a almost like a more subtle 
from dusk till dawn sort of effect where it like starts out as like this noir crime story and then turns like full on superhero bombastic fight scenes by the end but uh no this this movie was really fun and uh i've always had like a love-hate relationship with pokemon as far as like like I, I liked it as a kid to an extent. I didn't play the game a lot, but I watched the show quite a bit. But um, I also like, I, I always had like one foot in the Pokemon camp and one foot in the Pokemon's kind of annoying camp. <laughs> and I think for somebody in that camp, I feel, or for somebody in that situation, I actually thought the movie was pretty good and pretty fun. Um, and I loved like how bombastic and action packed it got by the end. So I guess that's uh, that's speaking uh, for the movie's merits overall. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I I'm I'm glad you enjoyed it, and I'm glad you're giving me sort of a better review than what I was getting from people when they first saw it. Because a lot of people were just telling me the movie was a mess and it was stupid and bad and all that stuff. And you know, I feel like I'm my my jaded film reviews have turned into I got to give it my own uh, opinion. <laughs> I know? think I think uh, if you go into it and you know this is a Pokemon movie and you like kind of let it be what it is, well, I think you say that like people went into it not thinking it was a Pokemon movie and I was like, oh, it's the Pokemon <laughs> movie. <laughs> well, why were people saying it's a mess and stuff? That's what I'm curious I, about. <laughs> I really don't know. And that's the thing. Where, okay. like, uh, you know, like people come out with their own opinions and I know film's sub subjective. Yeah. But at the same time, See, like, you know, it's that thing I, where people say, wow, this movie's a piece of garbage. And you're like, did, I, did you and I watch <laughs> the same movie? <laughs> so, well, I, I went into it and I was like, this is going to be more or less like a hybrid film like yeah the animated characters aren't two-dimensional but you're basically watching humans and animated cartoon characters interact and i knew it was a kid's movie and i knew i knew i wasn't going in and i wasn't going to be seeing lord of the rings or citizen kane or something i knew it was going to be like more of a popcorn flick so mm -hmm. my ex that's where my expectations were but i do think it's interesting because everybody else i had talked to about this movie before i saw it were like hardcore pokemon fanboys and i honestly had heard nothing but that it was like the greatest movie ever <laughs> to be honest <laughs> so i think that's kind of interesting as well <laughs> and i don't know if it's an age gap between who we were talking to or what it was but uh that's kind of funny well, that makes me wonder. And now uh, our friend Audrey, who's been on the show a couple of times, is a huge Pokemon fan. So now I'm kind of curious yeah. about her um, opinion. Audrey, I know you're listening. Um, I'm going to see you in a week at our D&D game. Uh, so please, if you hear this before I get a chance to talk to you, tell me what you think of uh, Detective Pikachu. Because I'm... Well, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, so anyway, that's is that all you were able to watch or is anything else? Yeah, pretty much. It's been a okay. busy week, so. All right. And because of, uh, you know, our brother's wedding and not getting a chance to sit down and actually, like, consume stuff that we normally do, the only thing I was able to really get a chance was to knock out a few more episodes of uh, the show Death and Other Details on Hulu. Um, oh, cool. Which is really cool. Uh, the, the lead actress um, bugged me for, like, the first two episodes. And when I say bugged me, it was one of those, where do I know this girl from? And when I when you're looking her up, it was uh, she was Jesse Quick in The Flash. Um, and I was like, oh, that's where she's from. 
she is way better an actress than she was on The Flash. Now, that could be the fact that she's got some more, uh, you know, had some more time to hone her craft or they just didn't give her her due on The Flash because <laughs> um, she's actually a really good actress. Um, but the the show is shaping up really well. The mystery is expounding and it's like, ooh, this is really cool. Um, they've already started some of those twists and turns. But what I like is they started down this really cool path and then the detective um he's in a conversation with her and he's like you completely lost sight of it your focus is drawn elsewhere you're not paying attention and then you realize it's that moment you realize you've been focusing on all the stuff she's been focusing on so you're not like the details that she's missing because of things so they start rolling things you know it's just the way they constructed the show it's pretty cool so um i look forward to seeing how that turns out but that's really all i was nice. able to watch so nice um yeah so um, that being said, you want to jump over to uh, the list? Not the list. Sorry, the news. <laughs> jumping ahead. We're doing the episode backwards. Um, yeah, that sounds good. <laughs> yeah, jumping over to the news. Okay. Um, news is light-ish, sort of. There's a few things here. Uh, so first off, we'll just jump on this. Brad Pitt is uh, kind of talking to Tarantino about being in his final film. Uh, the movie is we talked about this a long time ago that Tarantino's final movie is going to be called The Film Critic. Um, and the project is said to be set in the 1970s Southern California and is inspired by a cynical movie critic. Um, looks like Brad Pitt's kind of circling to be in the movie. I don't know if he's going to be playing the film critic or the actual film critic or he'll be playing like something else. But, you know, having them work together is always a good thing. Um, I'm excited <laughs> for it, but. Yeah, absolutely. I, yeah. I'm just laughing because uh, I saw some there was like somebody interviewed Quentin Tarantino and he commented that he never did make the uh, Star Trek film that he was wanting to make. And it's because he didn't want to go out on that movie. But I was laughing because I saw somebody on Twitter who like retweeted that. and They were like, you know, you can make more than 10 films. <laughs> They're like, I know. this is just a rule you made up for yourself. <laughs> Nobody know. cares if you make more than 10 films. <laughs> I know. But I, I almost feel like he made that statement. Now he's got to, like, stick to it because of how the world works. Like, if they made a, if he made an 11th movie, they'd, like, chastise him on the Internet for it. Um, <laughs> which is a um, – yeah. So, anyway. Um, the Beetlejuice sequel has a title. Did, did you see what the title of the Beetlejuice movie is? No. It, it's great. Like, if you had to guess, if you had to guess, what would you title the Beetlejuice movie? If you were the guy sitting in the room going, you know what we should title it? What would you do? Any thoughts? No. No? Okay. <laughs> I'm drawing a blank. The movie is going to be titled Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice. <laughs> oh, my gosh. It, what's funny is I was thinking that, and I was like, that's so dumb. I'm not going to say it. <laughs> <laughs> no, it is pretty good because they can do a trilogy and Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice. That's well, they don't even clever. have to do a trilogy. Just the fact that that's what the yeah. title is, is great. This could be the last. This is going to be the sequel and last one. And I think the title is fantastic. So um, that the, just the, like it's so clever. The other really dumb idea I had was have it be B, the number two, and then old juice. So it's B, two old juice. But uh, I uh, think Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice might be better. Yeah. <laughs> and it's going to be really funny talking to people about it. Like, have you seen Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice yet? <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, right. Um, 
All right. Uh, Netflix confirms Stranger Things fifth and final season season won't be released until 2025. Um, I'm glad this is a thing. I'm glad this came out because that was a move. That was a show that got held up because of the the strikes and get date on it. But they gave us a time frame um, because they got to shoot it. Obviously, they have to edit and do the CGI and get it all ready to go. But what's nice is, is that they gave us a time frame. And I think we all knew 2025, but I'm just glad we don't have to wait 2026. So, yeah. 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 Good. Good point. Um, OK, uh, here's one for you. You'll love this. Uh, Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey 2. <laughs> Yeah, I saw this one. <laughs> yeah, Winnie the Pooh's Blood and Honey on a mere $100,000 budget, which is incredibly low. It grossed $6 million, uh, ensuing a sequel will arrive, and now it's here. So the first trailer um, is apparently has been released. I have not watched the first trailer, but I guess it takes us out to the 100-acre wood, which, uh, man... Um, so we got Winnie the Pooh. They clearly ate Eeyore, I think, in the first movie. But, man, if we're talking, like, Woozles and Huffalumps and, like, what other weird stuff could they be pulling out of, like, the Winnie the Pooh lore? This could be nuts, man. Like, you know, you find out, like, what what happened to Rabbit? What happened to Kanga and Rue? And you know what I mean? Like, this could get messed up. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's just – I think they're just going to keep going with it, which is uh... – both annoying but also awesome like it it just feels like <laughs> one like of those classic like, it's annoying but awesome <laughs> well it feels like one of those classic slasher movie series that like that you know there's not a ton of people who are gonna keep watching you know when blood and honey five comes out but they're probably gonna keep making it it's kind of like uh like how many puppet master movies are there i feel like there's like 12 at this point but uh this this story this story is also crazy because i feel like didn't the first one just come out like this past halloween or something it did <laughs> yeah so that's what's crazy too is like how is how do they already have a trailer for another one you know uh, i haven't even seen the first one yet either so i don't know fun stuff <laughs> well how about we talk about a franchise that um i was i'm surprised we're doing another one we've talked about this already uh, that there's going to be another Jurassic World movie. Of course there's going to be. As long as people like dinosaurs, there's going to be another one. And bizarrely, those movies make a lot of money. I don't say bizarrely. It's just like I feel like I personally feel like Jurassic Park, Jurassic World, they've kind of run their course a little bit. And it's like how much farther can you go without turning Jurassic Park into Planet of the Apes? Um, and, uh, yeah. you know, it's just that's just, you know, just a thought in my mind. But. We talked about how a couple of weeks ago we talked about the uh, the writer um, who who added for writing. Uh, he was the writer for the original Jurassic Park film. So he's back in the saddle for writing, which is great. But they have the director now, which makes me really interested because think about who we got for a writer. But now we're getting Deadpool 2 director David Lettick um, is looking to nice. direct Jurassic World, the new Jurassic World movie. And I'm just like, what? going on here like that makes me kind of excited just put those two together you know so um, yeah that that sounds pretty great um the jurassic world or i think jurassic park the whole franchise you'll have a good movie 
you might have a couple bad movies, then you'll have a good one again. And it's kind of give or take. But like you said, I think it, this, these movies are just going to keep coming out. You know, it's it's just like Blood and Honey. Like they're just going to keep <laughs> keep releasing them. Um, I think Jurassic Park has a little bit better of a track record. But uh, no, no, I this is pretty exciting. Um, and I my whole point is that I think when you have a bad Jurassic Park movie, you're still excited for the next one because the next one might be twice as good as your expectations, you know, and that's, that's kind of, I think where we're at with this. Yeah. Um, okay. I got some quoted stuff here. So let's talk about this one first. Um, Henry Cavill has been talking about, um, uh, Warhammer. He says it's the greatest privilege of his professional career. Um, in an upcoming, uh, let's see, who did he talk to? IGN, an interview with IGN. Henry Cavill recently spoke about his reverence for the upcoming Warhammer 40K project at Amazon. This is the stuff I've been dealing with since I was a kid. There is no greater reason than I joining the industry than doing something like this. Um, it was just kind of nice to see a couple of these quotes. We've talked how, like, I'm getting more and more excited about this the more I hear him talk about it. Um, and we talked, I read originally how he's going to be, he's, he's putting this in a situation where he's so into this stuff that if they don't get it right, he's going to be pissed. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, he's like, no, my money's on the line now. We're doing this right. We're doing this my way. We're doing this the game's workshop way because I'm going to see it, um, adapted properly. So it makes me really excited to see what we could be getting out of this. So um but yeah absolutely of, yeah but speaking of henry cavill did you watch that trailer i told you to watch last night the uh ungentleman ungentlemanly warfare trailer? Oh, i still haven't watched it i'm okay. sorry <laughs> no it's all good i was just wondering if you did because it's henry cavill's in that movie so i was curious if you had um we have a couple quotes here that i want to bring up these are kind of a little heavy-handed um so i'm curious of your thoughts first let's talk about christopher nolan's um, he was, he was in an interview with Variety talking about, um, the success of Oppenheimer and what it means as a post, uh, uh it's ne- made like nearly a billion dollars. No, made a nearly a billion dollars in a post franchise movie era is possible. Meaning people get away from the franchises and focus more on the. Um, original IP stuff. And he said, um, I think the film's success certainly points to a sort of post-franchise, post-IP landscape for movies. It's kind of encouraging. It reminds the studios that there's an appetite for something people haven't seen before or an approach to things that people haven't, or an approach to things people haven't seen before. Something like Oppenheimer working uh, gives other filmmakers a point of reference for how something can work in the marketplace that the studio can relate to. Um, And the reason I bring this up is because we've had conversations about the superhero fatigue and comic book movie fatigue and how Marvel is at this point kind of getting, you know, backlash for being cookie cutter and not functioning the way that people want it to. Um, There's a lot of reasons why that's the case and we don't need to get into that. But the idea that we had this, world we lived in where you had like all these original movies like every time you went to the theater every now and then there'd be a sequel sure but a lot of times it was like dude that looks cool let's go see it 
that looks cool. Let's go see it. And you're walking into movies not knowing anything short of the trailers. And then, you know, it gets around to Friends. And we had this era where it was just all these great movies. And the success of Oppenheimer, he's saying, gives you the idea that we can get back to that away from franchise and focus on original stuff. Um, do you have any thoughts on this? I just thought it was a cool quote. And it made me just like, we've kind of been talking about this stuff already. So, yeah, um, I'm trying to think about, like, what's the way to phrase it? Because it's like, we do love the franchises on the show. We love the Marvel movies and the superhero yeah. movies and Star Wars and stuff. But I feel like, I feel like the franchise movies get better if they're influenced by original films at the same time. Like, uh, if you think about, like, when The Matrix came out, like, that was an original thing. And then you see movies like, um, and I might have the timeline mixed up, but I feel like movies like, uh, well, X-Men, I was going to say Blade. I, I wasn't sure if Blade came out before or after The Matrix, though. But movies like the X-Men movies were influenced by The Matrix, and they took some of those action elements, and it actually made this big franchise movie better. Um, you see that with a movie like 300, which, yeah, that was an adaptation, but the way that the action scenes were shot influenced the big franchise movies to make them better and i think for a healthy movie landscape you need both you need these unknown um new properties to be popular and successful so that we can um so that we can have like really good uh franchise movies and how like the franchise movies can compete against the sort of unknown newcomers and uh it really it's just one of those situations where it makes everything better so that's kind of what i'm i'm hoping for out of this and i hope that uh christopher nolan's right that we're gonna start seeing a lot more successful you know newcomer ips and stuff at the box office but um yeah i don't know it's it's kind of funny because when you talk about when we used to have all these original films that we looked to and like a lot of those films are like from the 80s and the 90s you know and it was like sometime during the 2000s when the biggest movies were just remakes of things from the 80s you know when you go to like transformers and gi joe and then they started pulling from the comics and stuff uh like you know marvel and dc and stuff but it was like Sometimes I feel like our culture just stopped in the 80s and nobody can think of anything new. And so I hope uh, I hope Christopher Nolan's right, because I think we need new IP to um, not just give us something new, but to push uh, push these big franchise, uh, you know, properties uh, further, you know, to make them try harder and to give us better products all across the board. So, yeah, agreed. Agreed. And this is kind of a cool segue because some of that comes with being we have to review and we have to discuss. Right. So, yeah, um, George R.R. R. Martin um, has uh, some things to say um, about the Internet and social media and what he's referring to as anti fans. Um, he's stating that it's in this uh, he's basically it was a it was basically a post about him saying that the internet's dominated by anti-fans. Like these people aren't fans about anything. They're just there to complain. 
um, and it's dominating the culture force. Um, here's the uh, here's the quote, and this is stuff you and I have talked about. We try and keep it positive. We want to talk about the things we like. That's the whole point, right? That's the whole point of doing this podcast. Yeah. I'll tell you if I didn't like something, but I'm not going to shit all over it, right? Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> um, if I really didn't like it, I'll tell you, but if you'll notice that Peter and I talk about things we'd like on this show. Just because we didn't talk about it doesn't mean we don't like it, but it might tell you something about the movie if we decided not to bring it up. <laughs> you know, um, there might be some reason we didn't put it on the list or we didn't talk about it or something. But here's George R. Martin's uh, quote here. Toxicity is growing. It used to be fun talking about our favorite books and films and having spirited debates with fans who saw things different. But it is no longer enough to say I did not like this book or this film. And here's why. People would rather talk about the stuff they hate than the stuff they love and delight in dancing on the graves of anyone whose film has flopped. Um, I think that's a really cool quote, and it's really kind of to the point. Um, one of the things that I find incredibly frustrating is a big movie will release. The Internet will just shit all over it immediately. And you yeah. have some people like screaming like, no, this movie's good but they're being drowned out by the noise. Um, it drives me nuts. I really like having the conversation and I'm finding it more and more difficult to, hey, did you see this show? Did you see the episode last night? Or did you watch the movie this weekend or whatever? And then they'll be like, oh yeah, it was all right. And then the conversation doesn't go much farther. It drives me nuts because I wanna talk and debate. I want like the way you and I talk on the show, I wanna have those conversations. But man, sometimes, but it's like people are, some people I found in like real life are afraid to discuss, <laughs> you know, like they're afraid they're going to get their heads ripped off. Um, I don't know. Do you have any thoughts on that? I just thought it was a really cool quote and I kind of put it in a specific way. And you and I always try and talk positively on the show, you know? Um, yeah, it's, it's a pretty vague quote, um, but I think... It is a trend I've noticed within the last, like, five years or so, where I feel like nerd culture is very, um, I feel like nerd culture is so negative right now, where it is, like, everybody's wanting to focus on um, the negatives of uh, everything that's released, whether it be, like, I feel like uh, lately it's been Star Wars and Marvel have been getting the brunt end of, like, all the hate online and whether you agree with uh you know there's like there's decisions star wars and marvel have made that i don't agree with so i understand like some of the complaints but my thing is uh what kind of got me into um comic books and uh sci-fi movies and like nerd culture what kind of brought me back into that again a lot of it was just the positivity like uh, back when I started reading comics again and going to Comic-Con. Like, I remember going to uh, one of the early conventions I went to just thinking about, like, this is so cool that every single person here is a freak. <laughs> like, every single person here is a nerd and nobody cares. They're just happy to say, like, I love blank. Like, I love Star Wars. I love anime. I love Buffy the Vampire Slayer, whatever it is. And everybody's just wearing their love on their sleeve. And they don't care if anybody's going to judge them 
and that's that infectious like positivity like that's what brought me into it like i think about um i don't really use the the website deviant art anymore but i i used to use that a lot in like the early 2010s and deviant art is a place where people would post fan art of any any random fandom like these this obscure crap that you like you've never heard of but somebody's making fan art of it and they're just flaunting their love for it and that's sort of it's that sort of like just like uh non like not held back at all positivity that brought me to uh like the nerd sub subculture in general and uh i keep finding myself like i'll find some like online commentator or something like somebody i'll follow on youtube or instagram and it's like i i'll like like one of their movie reviews and then the next thing i see them post is like it's just very negative and and it's fine to have a negative review once in a while but i think uh george r, r. martin's right where the internet is so is focusing so much on the negativity that is making it not fun to be into this stuff, you know? And that's what I do. And I love recording our show because we focus on the positives and uh, just in my personal life, like talking to friends and stuff, I'm still trying to uh, focus on the positives, um, even though a lot of people are like <laughs> really trying to be negative about it. And I think the way I've been doing that is like, if I have a group of friends who are really complaining about like the latest Star Wars show or movie or whatever, I'll just talk to them about something else. Like, oh, have you seen like this random indie movie or like, have you checked out this uh, Netflix series? You know, talk to them about the things that are positive as opposed to like maybe uh, the stuff that everybody's complaining about. That's kind of how I've been approaching it. But I don't know. It It, it definitely is this is a problem that has a big presence that I've been noticing for a while, you know? Yeah. And I totally agree. And, um, it's just, and it sucks because when people get negative about something, you want to still talk about it, but you're like, I guess I should change the subject, <laughs> you know? Um, because that way it's a safer conversation for all of us. Um, but yeah, you know, we're going to just, we'll, we'll be here reviewing as we go um <laughs> right <laughs> all right one more news story um i don't know if you saw this um i have not watched the trailer yet but the concept made me laugh and giggle and it made me like this is kind of cool um we've had lots of cool shark attack movies and snake attack movies and creatures of the week features and all that stuff um you remember the movie snakes on a plane yeah all right of course are you ready for are you ready for sharks on a plane <laughs> is that the new one <laughs> well it's not titled sharks on a plane but it might okay. as well be the movie's called no way <laughs> up and it's about an airplane crash that the plane goes down hits the water and then it sinks into this like really low pocket and mm -hmm. a really low ravine on the ocean floor and the passengers are stuck inside the plane in an air pocket um mm -hmm. and uh there's sharks <laughs> So, um, yeah, that's the best way of wording it. It's a shark attack movie at the bottom of the sea in an airplane, because why not? Um, it made me laugh when I saw it. I can't wait to watch the trailer for it, but just the concept made me go, this should be fun. But apparent, And apparently all the reviews of the trailer are, this movie looks fantastic, um, which means they're just going to crap on it because that's what the internet does. But the trailer <laughs> responses are pretty good. <laughs> 
I actually think it sounds pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> like, but, it sounds a lot I like... I got a laugh out of you, too. That's why I was like, we're talking about this, so... It sounds like a lot of other movies that have come out in the last couple of years when it comes to, like, what was it, like, 47 meters down or um, The Shallows and stuff like that. But it, it does sound like a cool concept. And uh, my only concern is as long as the logistics of it are realistic, like as long as a plane could sink like that and uh, the cabin would stay pressurized where, you know, it wouldn't fill with water when it sank. Like as long as that all checks out, I'm totally in on this one. This sounds pretty fun. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Sounds good to me. <laughs> um, all right. Are you ready to talk about tonight's list? Uh, yeah, sure thing. Cool. All right, let's talk about tonight's list. We're going to roll the thing, and we'll be right back. And now for the top five. All right, Peter. This was your list pick. Um, so why don't you tell us what we're talking about tonight? Yes, so um, this <laughs> well, this is a list there, but all right. <laughs> this is a list that uh, spans all corners of uh, pop culture, which is pretty fun. It's another one of those, but I just thought it'd be fun to talk about our top five favorite uh, pop culture gadgets. Um, we've talked about our favorite weapons, we've talked about our favorite vehicles, but I think gadgets is a whole other category entirely, and I thought that would be pretty fun to do. Um, this is a list that's kind of hard. Um, when you Google like the best pop culture gadgets, there are things on the list <laughs> that pop up that uh, seem to not be gadgets at all. Um, and we might have more of a discussion about that, but there's things ranging from like the Back to the Future DeLorean to like um, like Iron Man suit and stuff. And like those are things where I don't know if they count, but like Drew, if you did select some stuff like that. Um, you know, that's that's fine. You know, it's all up for discussion. But uh, I did try to come up with things that were more um, smaller, you know, mostly like handheld stuff, uh, mechanical sort of things. But uh, I do have a couple cheats in there. So I don't every, know what your thoughts are on this list. On um, my, everything on my list is handheld. OK, cool. Uh, except for one. But you'll understand why when I tell you it. But it can fit in your hand. Um but yeah, mo just about everything is handheld or can be handheld because I was thinking I was thinking gadgets. I wasn't thinking um yep. um I wasn't thinking vehicles or suits of armor or weapons. I th I did think of one weapon um that um and the weapon I thought of was Cloud's sword from Final Fantasy VII because of the uh because of the uh way it can like attach other swords to it or like come apart yeah. in multiple swords up but i was still like that's still a weapon it's not a gadget um yeah the gadget way of working you know i don't know it just i felt it everything on this list i felt needed to have a purpose in a sense um and i got some old ones on here too um because pop in my opinion pop culture pop culture has not given us some gadgets the way some of the older stuff did so, yeah, I th <laughs> I feel like uh, a lot of newer movies try to make things like super believable, like when it comes to um, 
James Bond and Mission Impossible and stuff, and we don't get some of those like really out of the box weird gadgets, um, or we haven't for like the last decade. So that's actually kind of an interesting uh, observation, <laughs> actually. Yeah, it's just I I, I was, as I was thinking through it because I didn't do a lot of googling. A lot of these I came up with pretty fast. Yeah, and I was like, these are cool, and movies and television don't have these the way. They don't have like because of that believable and realism gadgets don't really exist the way that they used to, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, gadgets were like it was like gadgets were a answer to a problem because and maybe it was a writing thing. Maybe the writers were like, we need something to make this make sense so we don't have a plot hole. Uh, You know, we'll give them this cool gadget that allows them to do the following and then it it answers the question, you know, so (laughs) um. But yeah, that's just I, I don't know. I might be wrong on that, but just, you know, sometimes no. I feel like that's old school television writing, you know? <laughs> no, I, I think you're right. And I think there's also an element of uh, we all have a, a gadget of our own. You know, we all have a smartphone in our pocket. So if we're at the movies and we see some ridiculous gadget, it's pretty easy to look up like, could that actually happen? And I think that might be influencing like why everything has to be so believable now because it's like so easy to call call people's bluffs on things mm, um yeah that is outside of stuff like um you know like man of steel or the transformers movies or something where they can blame any you know any MacGuffin can be blamed at blamed on like alien tech you know <laughs> but when you're trying to make something like super grounded it's i think there's a lot less leeway for the uh the gadget creators of Hollywood, if you will, nowadays. So <laughs> yeah. But now I want to make gadgets. Um, get back to that old school. Like we joke about that old school filmmaking, but let's do it. Let's get back there. Uh, yeah, for sure. Okay. Uh, I got to go first, don't I? All right. Um, this I don't know if I can if I can count it a gadget. That's why I put it as an honorable mention. Um, and that is the shark repellent bet spray. <laughs> Nice. <laughs> I did think of this one. Um, it was one of the first ones I thought of, but I was like, that's not really a gadget, but it kind of is because Batman, everything he has is gadget. But this comes from the Adam West Batman movie, uh, the shark repellent bat spray. It made us all laugh um, and it made you realize, wow, how serious you wanted to take that movie. And um, yeah, so that's my honorable mention. <laughs> it, it does the trick. So. <laughs> Yeah, I did. I did think of this one. I think um, Batman as a character has so many good gadgets you can pull from. And uh, I love this one because it points out how like you go to the 60s and there's a lot of goofy Batman gadgets, but you go to uh, other source materials for him and there's some really uh, serious badass stuff, too. So, uh, yeah, good call with that one. Yeah. Um, All right, man. What do you got? Yeah, I'm assuming you have two honorable mentions, right? Uh, yes, I do. Sorry, we should have okay. mentioned two honorable. No, it's all good. Um, so for my next one, I'll actually go with another pretty goofy pick, but it's a pick that I always thought was just really cool. Ever since I first saw this movie as a kid, I always wanted these, and that's the uh, the jump shoes that the uh, characters have in the Super Mario Brothers movie from 1993. Um, oh yeah, for, <laughs> essentially we're. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yep. So they were basically like these pressurized like uh, boots that the characters would wear. And they had like these two um, 
I don't even know what to say. They had like these two like jack things, like kind of like these like stick things that would push down on the ground and they would shoot you up in the air. But there was also a le- an element of like there was like compressed air or something that would push out of them as well. And it was basically the movie's way to make Mario and Luigi jump high. You know, like once they went yeah. to this Koopa world, they ended up like stumbling upon these shoes and wearing them and that was like the way that they could jump high like in the mario games ultimately they had to explain it (laughs) and it's honestly it probably wasn't even something needed for the plot of the movie but that whole movie feels like um because i i picked this i was actually looking up clips of this movie on youtube before we did our episode and there's so many parts of that movie that feels like almost like they mad-libbed it like they're like okay we have this basic plot it's like this weird dystopian dinosaur world <laughs> we made for these characters yep. and we need to include some sort of a mushroom king we need them to jump high we need at least one scene where they're falling through a pipe for some reason <laughs> like it's almost like they mad-libbed the movie together and this is one of those elements but um i always thought those shoes looked really cool as a kid um i think they might actually hold up in the world of weird shoes we have nowadays like yeezys and all that i feel like the jump <laughs> shoes might actually hold up but uh no i just thought these looked really cool and this is one that if you had in real life it could be useful you could do some really fun and uh useful things with these jump shoes you know <laughs> yeah um i forgot about those jump shoes um but you're right like that's just they you know that kind of rolls into our thing about modern day film and television or how they're trying to explain everything and yeah. that's a movie where they had to explain it even no matter how fantastical it was they had to explain it so instead of making them have eat a mushroom and gain superpowers they just the mushrooms were in the movie but no one ate anything they just got jump shoes <laughs> yeah. it's a good one to compare to the newer mario movie where you can see how like the newer one just kind of let everything be as it is in the Mario games and didn't try to overly explain things and make everything justifiable in the real world. And it actually worked a lot better where they just like, Oh yeah, this is Mario world. This is the way things are. You know, we don't have to, you know, explain every little aspect of it. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, All right. So my next honorable mention is the only reason this is an honorable mention is because it's real. Um, It's something you could actually purchase back in the 90s. Um, I wanted one, never got one. But that is the Talkboy from Home Alone 2. Yeah, good call Uh, with this one. It's the, it's, it's, if you don't know what I'm talking about, it's the thing from Home Alone 2 that uh, Kevin McAllister was like, he'd talk into it and then rewind and like play the clip back and stuff. Essentially, it's just a tape recorder. But (laughs) (laughs) it was cool. And it had the thing where your hand slid in the side and like you could, like almost like a, had that little hand slide piece, um, just like a uh, like a camcorder would have, but it was yeah. for audio stuff. And had the little microphone in it, and like the microphone extended. Um, it was cool. I just I always wanted one, but yeah, the only reason the only reason it's honorable mention is because it's real. I could actually purchase it. It's not fictional in any way. Yeah. Can you imagine? This is a good call, and this one I actually did see pop up a lot while researching for my list, and I think this is a good one. Can you imagine the person who whoever landed that sponsorship deal to have uh, 
Talkboy featured so prominently in Home Alone 2. Like, that person made millions of dollars. Like, they saw probably saw a fat payday from that. It's kind of uh, crazy to think back on it because I'm just thinking, like, if talk if like they never had a talk boy in home alone 2 that toy probably wouldn't have sold like anywhere near as well as it did so that's kind of a funny right. uh, funny thing to think back on yeah um yeah and it, and i wonder and i never looked it up but talk boy could have been owned by walkman for example and then just for the sake of uh uh sponsorships and stuff like that and product placement because or if they were getting ready to roll that out for like a Christmas toy and like, hey, contract, get that in there. Yeah. You know, I don't know. Um, all right. Uh, your next honorable mention. Yeah. So for my next pick, um, this one's an honorable mention. I think it's a cheat. <laughs> but it, okay. it, it is something that pops up. Um, I went with uh, Harry Potter's invis- invisibility co- uh, cloak. So this is an item that uh, if fold up, folded up, it can be handheld. Um, but the problem is it it definitely is a magical item more than a like mechanical piece of technology. Um, like I said, this is one that co- that pops up on a lot of lists. And uh, I just think the power of invisibility is such a cool concept. Like it's it's one of my favorite sort of like superpowers or abilities. And uh I think the Harry Potter invisibility cloak um, just seems so utilitarian in a way that like, oh, you can just like stuff it in your backpack. But then when you need to turn invisible, you can pull it out, wrap it around yourself and you're good to go. And that seems so much more um, or I guess it seems so much less cumbersome than like, you know, a stealth ninja suit like Gray Fox from Metal Gear Solid or something like that. So that's why I went with this one. But uh, this one I do think is a bit of a cheat because it's more of a magical item as opposed to a gadget. And yeah. uh, maybe we'll have to do a magical item list at some point. But yeah. Man, how do I not just fill it with Dungeons and Dragon items? Um, <laughs> I mean, you could. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I hear you. Um I always, but I always feel like invisibility is like a cheap way out when it comes to magical things. But yeah, I don't know. I just like you know when you're playing, and I know I have D and D players that are listening to this. But I always like I read this really cool article about Dungeons and Dragons as a DM. Don't let your players have invisibility, um, and because they'll they'll use it as a crutch. Um, and I have one player that has invisibility and it's not used as a crutch, which is great. Um, so I hope that you don't hear this and start metagaming because use it the way you want to use it. I'm not going to complain. Um, but don't but like it was basically a try not to give them items, you know, like a cloak. You put the cloak yeah. up visible because then they're just going to wear the cloak all the time. You know what I mean? Like mm. the, using the spell invisibility is different because it's got a time window on it, you know. So I, I, I still like the idea that they still have to roll a stealth check and, uh, mm. you know, you could crit you still have fail to roll stealth it. checks because just because you can't be seen doesn't mean they can't hear you. Exactly. So. Like <laughs> you can have an invisibility cloak and you can crit fail and uh, they're going to still know <laughs> that you're there, which thinking about it in story terms is hilarious because it means you're that much of a loud, clumsy jackass that the enemy is going to find you, which I think is pretty yep. funny. So, yeah. Um, all right. So my first honorable, my first honorable, my first actual pick tonight, um, is a watch. It's actually a smartwatch, 
but it's the first smartwatch. Now, the reason I say the first smartwatch is because I saw this really interesting meme the other day um, that actually, so while I was putting this together, this meme pops up, and it was a picture of David Hasselhoff from Knight Rider, and he was, like, talking into his watch, and the and it said, first guy with a smartwatch. And I'm sorry, whoever made that, um, ever made that meme doesn't know, and you got it wrong. The first guy with a smartwatch goes all the way back to Dick Tracy. I knew um, you were going to go with that. And not only <laughs> does it go back to Dick Tracy, that was a smartwatch that was a video watch. Yeah. That was like he clicked it on and he could see the person he was talking to. It was um, it was FaceTime smartwatch. And that was Dick Tracy during like, you know, the roaring 20s um, tech. And that was probably the only gadget in the whole series. But it was really cool. And uh, everyone wanted that watch. <laughs> so nice. Yeah, Dick Tracy smartwatch. That's yeah. This is this is a cool poll because uh, this is one that I completely forgot about until you started talking about it, and Ooh, I was I like, like, "Oh, I feel like, I feel like my other stuff. You're gonna you're gonna go. Oh, he. I forgot about too. I think I have at least one more on there. So go ahead. <laughs> Fair enough. No, it's it was just kind of cool to be like, oh yeah, he he did have like a video watch. That's that was really ahead of its time. And also talking about this, I just want to watch Dick Tracy because I haven't watched it in years and. Uh, I have a feeling it it probably holds up pretty well with the sort of weird um, neon aesthetic it has and like the way it's shot and stuff like that. Like, uh, yeah, that'd be pretty interesting to revisit that one, you know? Yeah. All right, man. Uh, first, uh, well, you know, I always wanted to revisit the uh, one <coughs> film. Um, I actually have uh, the entire animated series on DVD. Um that they did uh it wasn't many episodes but they did do an animated series i have the whole thing on dvd but i'd always wanted to revisit that um warren Beatty film and see if it holds up because there was a ton of people in that movie warren Beatty, and benning uh madonna uh al pacino um it was a huge list uh dustin hoffman was in it he has one of the coolest sequences because he plays mumbles uh the gangster mumbles and um he mumbles. That's why they, that's why he's got that nickname and you can't understand him. And they have this interrogation scene where the cops are interrogating him and he's and they're recording his they're recording it and they're not getting anything out of him. And then later someone has the idea that let's slow it down. So they slow down the recording and you can actually hear uh, what he said. And it was it was awesome. Like it was kind of an incriminating piece of evidence. So. Um, but yeah, anyway, nice. sorry that I'm completely uh, derailing that one a little bit, but go ahead. What's uh, your first actual pick? <laughs> no, I mean, that that's what it's all about. I mean, we're just going into uh, pop culture and superhero pop movie culture history. Yep. So, yep. Um, yeah, so my next one, I feel like this one's a cheat. I This definitely was on my top five vehicle list and that or pop culture vehicle list, and that's why it's a cheat. But, I mean, it's just so cool. I had to include it. <laughs> I went with the hoverboard. <laughs> Oh, yeah, <laughs> I had to. Um, and I'm going I'm still saying the same thing I said last time. I'm not going to go for Marty McFly's like pink hoverboard that he was on. I'm going to go for a pit bull. <laughs> I'm going to go for the badass metal looking hoverboard that Biff was riding. Um, and plus, it has like those little like jet engines on the back. Like it just seems so much cooler. So that's my next pick is the pit bull. 
like I said, I tried to stay away from vehicles, and this is my one cheat in that sense. But uh, yeah, that's the that's the one I went with. So nice. And we've talked about the hoverboard several times. This did come up in my thoughts, but I wasn't sure if I had if the hoverboard would count as a vehicle. That was my hesitation. So it's kind of like you know, do I make this 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 count as a vehicle or does this count as a gadget? So. And I think for me, the one thing I could justify it with is like, it still could be handheld. You know, you could carry it around. You're not talking about like, <laughs> like a sure. car or a spaceship or something like that. But I do think I did want to stay away from the vehicles and I just couldn't help myself with this one. So, sure. Um, all right. Uh, so my next one is another phone, if you will. Um and so I'm not trying to get a whole list of phones. That's not what this is. Um, but this goes all the way back to a James Bond parody, and that would be Get Smart and the Shoe Phone. Um, oh, I thought of this one too. <laughs> um, this. So if you don't know what Get Smart is, uh, first off, there was uh, in the mid 2000s they did a movie called Get Smart with Steve Carell, Anne Hathaway, The Rocks in it. Um, and it essentially it's a movie adaptation of an old TV show from the 60s, 60s, early 70s era. Um, and Get Smart is it was basically a James Bond kind of a parody. And you had a um, you had it was a comedy that was supposed to be like a James Bond film. So it was a television show about this uh, secret agent named um Maxwell Smart, who worked for a spy agency called Control, and they battled the evil spy agency called Chaos, um, which, I mean, that just hits it on the head right there. Black and white, good versus evil. Um, and they had some really cool gadgets on the show, but the signature gadget of the show was he had a shoe that had a phone in it. And it was, I, he basically always had to take this, you know, he would take a shoe off, he'd go into like a closet or something, call back to base, and he'd take the sole off the shoe and then he'd flip this thing down for the microphone and it had like a rotary dial on it. And he'd have to pull like up the antenna to make the phone call. So it was basically yeah. a cell phone in his shoe. But it was always funny because I it had the radio rodeo dial, um, you know, and <laughs> it would call in. And that was it. Was, that was the gadget. It was like the signature gadget. So, yeah, I, I, was, I loved this show. And like I would watch Nick at night for this show. So when I was a kid, this was on Nick at night. It was a show that came on. I would literally like watch like everything leading up to knowing I was going to get to see get smart. So, <laughs> um, I feel like this probably had the same effect of like, uh, when you go back to like the 66 Adam West Batman show where it's like you watch it as a kid and you take it seriously and you don't realize the adults are laughing the whole time. I feel like get smart was probably a pretty similar situation to that. Um, I didn't realize that this had a ro rotary dial on it. I, in oh, my really? head, it has like, a you know, like old school, like cordless phone, like push buttons on it. But thinking back, like at the time, that was probably just standard technology was for there to be a rotary dial like that. So that's actually kind of funny. I kind of want to look it up because it sounds like a kind of a funny visual for like the uh, the sort of like uh, shoe cell phone with the uh, rotary dial on the bottom, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it. It was a tiny rodeo dial, rodeo, ro rodeo rotary. Dial too. Yeah, yeah. Whatever, however you say that word. Um, <laughs> it was a really tiny one too. And and thinking back, it's it was hilarious. Um, but yeah, mm -hmm. get get smart. And it was a really funny 
uh, show. They did do another, they did do a movie near the end of the series um, that um, it was like how the series ended. They did a, like a made for TV movie, which I was able to get my hands on. Um, that's a show I'd love to go back and watch if I could find it somewhere, but I don't know if it's streaming anywhere. That's something I'd have to look up. Anyway, um, what is your next pick for the night? Yeah, um, my next one, I feel like this is, uh, <laughs> I keep talking about cheats, but I feel like this one is a bit of a cheat as well, um, because this is another, uh, magical item. <laughs> and this one's actually from the Harry Potter universe as well. But in my defense, this item, um, in appearance and functional and function feels a lot more mechanical than, uh, you know, when compared to like an, invisible invisibility cloak for example but i went with the uh time turner from uh this this one's featured uh predominantly in um harry potter 3 harry potter and the prisoner of azkaban this is the small sort of um it kind of looks like a weird like compass gyroscope um what do i want to call it like a hourglass sort of thing and it's on a necklace and it's what Hermione wears throughout the movie. And it's revealed later on in the film that uh, she uh, she was using it so she could take multiple classes at the same time. <laughs> like she was able to take two classes at the same time because she had the ability to tra time travel with this uh, device. And uh, I just thought it was a cool concept, like having a time turner, um, especially in day to day life. Like if I could carry this around like have it on my neck or something and you know any any mistake you make you can turn it and go back like half an hour or whatever and then just redo whatever you just did wrong like it's uh it's a really it would be such a useful thing to have uh time travel in general would be such a valuable ability and this one seems so because the time turner is so small it seems like such an easy device to use um, when you compare it to like a TARDIS or a uh, DeLorean or a uh, like Bill and Ted's phone booth or something like having like a little piece of jewel, like a little small device you could put on a necklace. Like it just seemed so yeah. useful. So that's why I made my list. Yeah, right on. Um, this this isn't the so Prisoner of Azkaban is the third one. Yes, yes third one yes this is where i trailed off and i kind of saw the plot coming um and i was like yep they're gonna use the time thing for this like as you were talking everything started like because i didn't get very far into the movies and i know yeah. i talked about it, how i'm not a big harry potter guy so by all means don't chastise me but um this is i do remember this very vividly so i mean a cool idea cool concept and everything but yeah well it's the yeah the the time turner um does factor into the climax of the film quite a bit and drew i mean you're you're probably watching it where it's like it's a uh a kid's property essentially and you're just kind of like oh once they revealed that i can see where this is going but um I, I still think one of these days you need to sit down and marathon the rest of the harry potter films but uh <laughs> so may, maybe someday we'll see how maybe <laughs> um all right so my and, next one we're going to space on this one uh this goes okay. all the star trek um and you think to yourself there's a lot of gadgets in star trek there's the tricorders there's the data pads all those contribute to the fact that we have cell phones nowadays which are exactly <laughs> you know um it, because of star trek we have smartphones but that's not what I'm talking about. The gadget that I'm talking about from Star Trek that I just I always thought was really cool um, is the communicator badge. 
Um, they literally just, it's literally the thing they wear in the shirt. It's like no different than like a police badge or whatever. It's like, it's part of their uh, uniform and you just like tap it and you talk. I'd be like, Peter, come in. And you'd be like, Hey, what's up? Like, you know, Oh yeah. (laughs) you know, I always thought the communicator badge was really cool and it worked off the ship. Like you didn't have to be on the ship to utilize it. Um, I always wondered what the range on those things were. Um, I just thought they were really cool. So yeah, the Star Trek communicator badge. That's a pretty uh that's a pretty interesting one to go with. Um it's kind of uh I feel like this is an unsung gem like not a lot of people would think of this one, but uh yeah, that's that's a good call callback and it's definitely like super handy and um you know like I kind of like want to be smart about it and be like, well, so it's like a glorified walkie-talkie, but honestly when you watch Star Trek, it's easier to use than a walkie-talkie, so uh the logistics of it are pretty interesting too. So yeah. Yeah. Um, all right, man, what's your next one? Yeah. So I went with, uh, this next one, this is one of the first, um, options that I thought of and I don't know why, but it just, it just stuck to me like through every iteration of my list up until when we recorded, but I went with the, uh, neuralizer from, uh, men in black. Uh, that's the memory eraser thing that they have. The, uh, the stick that they hold up and it has the flashy light and it erases people's memory. And this is how they would, this is how the men in black would explain away any sort of alien or UFO sighting or anything like that. They'd have everybody who all the witnesses stand there. They would flash, flash this bright light at them and it would erase their memory for whatever, um, you know, they, they, they discuss it in the movie, like, how to adjust it so that it, you know, depending on how much time you need to erase. But uh, what I always loved about this one was how they had to explain the lost time, you know, like they might be erasing a couple minutes, they might be erasing a full day, but they would have a quick explanation for like, oh no, this is what actually happened. Uh, There was like, you know, swamp gas over here, um, you know, mixed with like lights on the horizon or, you know, they'd have some crazy explanation. And I always thought that was like kind of a funny little touch. So you're not just erasing people's memory, you're giving them something to uh, make sense of it. But this is another one (laughs) would could be super useful (laughs) in everyday life, depending on what you want to get away with. But this was one that I feel like this is one from my childhood that always uh, captured my imagination. And it is one of the more memorable. Super uh, useful. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is one of the more like memorable movie gadgets, especially when you're talking like from the late 90s. Like this one, uh, I do feel like it's a- iconic to an extent, um, which is pretty cool, too. So, yeah, yeah. Um, I remember like this is what as the movie progress, like when you saw it the first time in the movie, you're like, what's that about? And when they explain it, yes, it would be incredibly useful to get away with literally everything. If you had, (laughs) Um, I do feel you have to have the proper glasses though. Like I don't think any sunglasses work. So make sure you get yourself a pair of Ray-Bans because that's clearly the, uh, the glasses that did it. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah. Uh, but yeah, the, uh, but yeah, good stuff on that one. Um, yeah, the Men in Black Neuralizer. Did you ever watch the last Men in Black movie? Like the final one? The the one with uh Chris Hemsworth in it. Uh yeah. Yeah, I, I still haven't watched that one. I, I oh, probably okay. need to sit down and watch it. 
Okay, that's cool. I was just curious. Um, uh, I I never actually did, but yeah. No. <laughs> so we're um, in the same boat. <laughs> we're in the same boat, but all right. So I'm gonna go um go with another spy one. We did get smart, but we're gonna jump over to Mission Impossible. Um, yes, I know they have gadgets in that, but I'm specifically talking about the mask. Uh, the masks oh. from Mission Impossible. They okay in the second movie they overdo it. Sure, we can all agree on that. But when you think about it, those masks are really cool. Um, yeah. Form fitting to your face. You can basically you have the computer that can build them. You just need the scan. Um, like this, some, this is really cool. They literally are compact. You can fold them up. You can, you know, um, the way they utilize them in the movie. And there's times that like when you watch the films and they use the masks, you're just like, um, sometimes you don't see it coming. Sometimes you do see it coming. But you know, the first time you saw it, you're like, that was cool. That was really clever. And then, you know, in the first movie when they did it, you're just like, yeah, all right. Second movie, they overdid it. And then they started using it more sparingly. But ultimately, those are some it's a really cool gadget. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, that was it. Just, you know. What else is um kind of cool about these? And like, Drew, have have they used the masks for a while? Like in the last couple of Mission Impossibles? Have those um, been uh, prevalent? They used, they used one in Mission Impossible 6. They only did one scene with it. In okay. 5, did they use one in 5? They used a, they, they did use some in 5. Um, and did they? There, uh, there is a... They made a joke about it in 5, and then they decided okay. the plan changed, and they're like, we're not going to use the mask. Um there is a yeah, cool so. what I was what I was going to say is there's a cool element of like like those are used pretty prevalently in the first two movies and it does kind of set up this tone where like really at any point in those movies like one of the characters might not be who you think it is and I think that's kind of a cool point of tension um that they can use and it's kind of cool that uh, you mentioned like they had a joke about it and stuff cuz that's like something you go into the new Mission Impossible movie and you probably forget about the mask and then they bring it up and it's like, oh yeah, right, that's hilarious, you know, so. Yeah, uh, the, good way call it popped up, the way it popped up in the, in the sixth movie was really cool and it was very early in the movie, but it was a really cool thing the way they handled it. Um, they do it a couple times in the most recent film um, and the first time I saw it, I was like, yeah, right, saw that coming. The next time they did it, I was like, mm, okay, but at the same time it's it's cool that they did it so yeah right on yeah anyway um what do you got for your next one yeah so uh my next one um this will go back to kind of my my theme of the episode which is my uh love hate relationship with uh the pokemon franchise (laughs) but i actually went with uh pokeballs for uh for my next one which Again, like I'm not that much of a Pokemon fan, but I sure like I I do, huh? Sure you're not. No, I I appreciate here's the thing is I appreciate the franchise from afar, but sometimes I also get so annoying with it or annoyed with it because like there's elements of Pokemon I think are cool, but then you interact with some of the fans and you're just like, "Okay, chill out. It's not the greatest thing ever." And that's what <laughs> that's like the di- dichotomy of it. But I can say, like, ever since, like, I was in sixth grade and Pokemon got super popular and there's the Game Boy game and the cards and uh, the um, 
the anime series especially like i watched a lot of that uh anime i always thought the concept was cool like i always loved the concept of like okay so you capture these monsters in these little like electronic like ball things that open and you capture them in it and then you use people to fight you know you, you know you choose which monster you want to use for this fight against somebody else and you can use it in competition or in some cases it's almost just like it's almost like a form of just altercation or warfare like instead of like the two characters actually fighting they're just using their pokemon to fight you know it's it's basically glorified like dog fighting or cock fighting but i always loved the concept like okay you're capturing monsters and storing them and then later on you're using the monsters to fight each other and you can capture them with these balls and carry carry them around in your backpack that concept i always loved it's just the execution i wasn't always the biggest fan of but then again sometimes i'm like yeah actually it is pretty cool so that's my love hate relationship with the franchise but pokeballs like just the idea of it i always thought was one of the coolest things and this is something going back for years even though i know sometimes i've complained about the franchise this is something i've always thought was really cool about it so uh that that's my next pick um, and I don't know if I picked that one just because I just watched Detective Pikachu, but uh, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um, <laughs> maybe maybe it is. I don't know. Um, all right. So my final pick of the night, I'm going back to a Batman gadget, and there's a ton of them. But this one's awesome. This one is used primarily. You see it more often. You saw it a little bit in the movies but not nearly as much as you saw it in the animated series, and it's utilized a ton. And that is Batman's grapple gun. Um, Good call. This is one you just pull it off the belt, grapple it to a thing, and he swings off a rooftop, or he's falling from something and grapple, save himself, or the bat or the girl falls off the edge and he grapples, <laughs> grabs her leg. You know what I mean? Like the the uses that they they found to use that thing, it became like a almost like a staple for the show staple for the character um yeah really cool stuff man i don't know if you have thoughts on the grapple gun but just there's iconic imagery of uh an episode of batman i want it's not an episode it's like the end shot of batman mask of the phantasm he's standing on the roof puts his he like literally puts his leg up on the edge grapple gun out fires the um fires it so it's basically like the grappling hook clamp claw thing flies out with the rope behind the cable behind it and then the other thing is like how thin is that cable and how much weight can it take because you you see him wind it up sometimes you know uh yeah really cool gadget man uh yeah that's my last one of the night so any thoughts on that and then we can move on to yours but yeah i mean well i think like cable just in general like it usually can support like a ton of weight even when it's like super thin (laughs) Not to go on a tangent about that, but just since you brought it up. Sure. But uh, this is one of the first. So we we didn't match on this one and I'll I'll get to that. But this is one of the first um, gadgets that I thought of. And I think this is such a good call and I'm glad it's brought up. And even if you didn't bring it up, I was going to mention why I didn't choose it. But I think this is this is one of the most iconic uh gadgets from pop culture and that sounds crazy because you think of things like 
James Bond and Mission Impossible and Inspector Gadget. And it really comes down to like Batman is such an iconic character. And this is one of his this is like, I mean, next to the Batarang, I feel like this is his most iconic gadget that he carries. And like you see it used so many times. And uh, I was thinking about when you're talking, I was just thinking about how iconic uh, Batman was. And it reminds me of uh, there's an episode of the show Comic Book Men where Walt Flanagan, he says something like, I think he says, Batman, Robin, Mickey Mouse and Santa Claus are the four most recognizable faces around the world. (laughs) And then Kevin Smith fires back at him. He's like, Jesus was not mentioned on that list once. (laughs) Which I always thought was hilarious. But I think there is a point. Like, Batman is such an iconic character, recognized. You go to, like, any country in the world, like, people know who Batman is. And this is, like, his gadget that's featured so prominently. So this is such a good call. I so iconic. The reason I didn't pick this one is because I went with a very similar superhero gadget that I think is just as cool. I think it might be a little bit... I I don't know if it's more or less iconic. That's a hard debate. But I went with Spider-Man's web web shooters, which go talking. I knew you were going this way. Yes. Which which have a extremely similar function. And they're used in very creative ways. But when it came down to it, I think I started thinking about the uh, all the things you can do with Spider-Man's web shooters, how. You watch movies and you see him make webs, you see him web slinging, you see, um, you know, some other things. Like if you play the Marvel versus Capcom games, he's shooting web balls out of his shooters. Uh, Just all the like variety and creativity of the way that Spider-Man uses his webs. That's what really intoxicated me and made me go with this choice for my list. But this last pick was really a, a toss up between the web shooters and uh batman's grappling gun so i think uh, i think both are great choices but uh yeah that's that's the one i went with so yeah nice um i'm with you on this um it the cool thing about the spider-man web shooters is there's a chemistry aspect to it like no one really knows what the chemical compound is it's a superhero secret it's a comic book secret but it's like he found the chemical compound that would make some kind of tensile strength to hold his weight someone else's strength someone else's weight the weight of a car you know that kind of thing like it can hold a lot of weight um and it's 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 a cool it's a really cool um gadget for the character it's a really cool gadget for the comic book um, even utilized yeah. in the movie. I like how, um, it, you know, you think about uh, No Way Home, not No Way Home, Far From Home or the Spider-Man. What's the last one? No Way Home. Uh, no Way Home, yeah. No Way Home. That's the last one. Um, where the three Spider-Man are talking about, oh, you use web shooters? I use web shooters. Wait, it comes from you? How does that work? You know, like... <laughs> the uh, the way the uh, gadget has been utilized over the years and how they've poked fun at it a little bit. But at the same time, it's a great gadget. Um, so good call on that. I know I it's like I chose the Batman side. You went the Marvel route. But I was just thinking, like, what's a, what are cool gadgets? And part of me, I don't even I partially feel like I kind of forgot about Spider-Man's web shooters. Like I wasn't thinking webs. I was like gadgets. You know what I mean? Not even yeah. thinking about it. But yeah, good call, man. 
Right on. Um, yeah, like like I said, I think both were really good uh, picks, and I'm actually kind of glad we ended on those uh, those two. And uh, just lastly, like for me, I do really love like Spider-Man's web shooters so much, and I wasn't gonna pick the grapple gun and the web shooters because I felt like that was just hitting too much on the same sort of territory. So that that went sure. into that decision as well. But uh, yeah, keep going. Well, I was just gonna say that kind of brings us to the end of the list. Um, unless you have anything else you want to talk about Spider-Man's web shooters. No, <laughs> we're good. <laughs> um, all right. Well, next week, I'm throwing a year at you, if that's all right. Um, I was looking at our list of years, and one thing we ne- we have not talked about yet for some reason, I'm surprised, is uh, 2004. Um, all right, then. That's a year, so I thought that'd be kind of fun. Let's go. Let's jump in the Wayback Machine and uh, take a look at the films from 2004. So next week, that'll be our list. Um. Yeah, twenty years ago. Twenty years ago. Yeah, that, that that'll be pretty fun. Um, yeah, so twenty year anniversaries for this one. Uh, so we'll see how it shapes out. So yeah, the two thousand four. Yeah. Right on. Yeah, good stuff. All right, Peter, are you ready to end this episode and uh, toss this one in the can? <laughs> yeah, let's go for it. <laughs> all right, everybody, do us all a favor. Check out our website, topfivereport.com. There you'll find links to all of our social media, including a link to our email, topfivereport at gmail.com. Hitting us up there, social media, either way works. We are on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Google Play, Stitcher, at Amazon, and Audible. You can subscribe to us in those places. If you do, you will not miss a single episode. Um you can also leave us a review. We love those five stars, but we understand criticism because it helps us get better and it makes the words we say feel important. You can follow me personally on Twitter and Instagram at Drew3927. Peter, what about you? Uh, yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Ninja Pierre, and that's where I will be spelunking for pork rinds. <laughs> yep. <laughs> All right. Um, for the Top 5 Report, I'm Drew. I'm Peter. And we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening.